Okay, Caleb, we are officially recording. How are you doing today, dude? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing quite well, and I'm really excited <laughs> for today's episode, where we're going to talk about what got us into professional wrestling, aka sports entertainment, and I'm really excited to have you guys along for this episode. Uh, Caleb and I are both really big professional wrestling fans, and we wanted to talk about how we got into it today, our favorite wrestlers, some of our favorite storylines and moments. And Caleb, I would like for you to take the lead on that, and if you could tell us about how you got into the world of professional wrestling. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, for myself, it works out as I think the term is like lifer, but they'll say has been in it. It's almost like you, you really don't have when you weren't watching wrestling, and that's how it is for me, because uh, both of my parents were, well, my dad was huge in wrestling. My mom liked it a lot because she found like, you know, Bobby the Brain Heenan hilarious. She was a big fan of Hulk Hogan. My dad loved Macho Man, Jake Roberts, Roddy Piper, and stuff like that. So they're, especially like my dad's, because my mom kind of fell out of favor with pro wrestling as it got, you know, we got to the Attitude Era and it got, attitude era and got a little more, I guess, edgy. Or, no, not sure that's the right word, but we'll go with it. <laughs> my dad stuck around with it, and naturally I just kind of, by through osmosis, I picked it up from him because it meant I could hang out with my dad and watch stuff with him. And so I've been hooked ever since. And so I can, I don't say to be, cause I know some people are like, well, that means you try to be, I guess, be elitist about him. I'm like, no, I just means I've seen a lot of good, a lot of bad and a lot of ugly. Uh, so, but since I'm with it now, that means you got to, if I could suffer through the dying days of WCW and all the Vince Russo stuff and still like the industry, you're never getting rid of me. Well, that's good. But, and I'm really, really glad to hear about that because I actually came in much later than you. But yeah, let's uh, t tell us more about like how you got into it and what one of your favorite wrestlers was and what kept you around. Oh, well, sure. Uh what got me into it was like when you're like when for myself, since I was just obviously a little kid, like six, seven years old, it's kind of like watching superheroes, but real because yeah, I, I watch things like uh, Batman, the animated series. And of course, uh, cause I have older sisters. So when it was time to take them to school and I obviously had to get up since I can't stay alone when you're six, but uh, I, they'd, uh, Power Rangers would be playing in the morning. But it's like, as a kid, even then, I knew, like, okay, the Batman, Superman, that's animated, that's not real. The Power Rangers, clearly there's not giant robots. But for my brain, I was like, no, pro wrestling's real. And I was like, those are, like, that's, like, actual Superman and actual, like, people going at each other and, like, eating the just crap out of each other and just going at it. And one man that encapsulated that for me was good old Bill Goldberg. And I know, especially online, people have opinions about the man. I am never going to say a bad word about him because <laughs> he can do no wrong in my eyes. So I'm sorry. If you're going to get any Goldberg hate, it's not coming from me. But because as a kid, he goes out there and people say like, 
all the one of the big things against him is like, well, his matches are only like a minute long and he spears someone. I mean, even we just hung out recently and you're just like, he has three moves. He shoves you, he spears you and jackhammers and then he wins. When you're seven, that's all you need. I just need some guy to beat the crud out of people and look like an unstoppable, like basically in our last episode, he was basically the wrestling Terminator. And that's all I needed. And I was just hooked. Uh, it literally would get to the point where, cause my dad would be watching uh, WWE during the Monday night wars, which yes, that means he chose the right side. I mean, I was a kid. What are you going to do? But uh, uh he literally, if something was happening, like for instance, when the Undertaker and Kane had their like Inferno match, the very first one, my dad yelled out to me because I'm on the other side of the house watching WCW. He's like, has the Goldberg match happened yet? I was like, yeah, get in here. You should see this. <laughs> and that's literally, he knew if I hadn't seen the Goldberg match yet, you could not get me away from that TV. Once it's happened, he knew I could get him to come watch some other stuff. <laughs> so that's just how I was as a kid. And then it's just, I was such a fan. Like it literally got to the point like when Goldberg eventually got, you know, can't remember if he quit or fired. I can't remember on top of my head right now. Uh, with WCW and he was gone. I stopped watching wrestling entirely. And I only got back into wrestling when he speared the rock. I went, what now he's back. And from there, I. Ever since. And there've been people throughout the years, Kane, Jericho, uh, edge, uh, punk. And yes, I can look back and actually give Cena props for being great. Even though at the time I was part of that crowd that hated him because it was the cool thing to do. And yeah, as I say, uh, the rest is history. Uh, but I'm interested cause I know Austin, you, a lot of people typically like you may get into it as a kid, kind of like myself, you get into it, you might fall out, but then you come back, but you come from a, you have a very different road. And I think that's, I, I want to hear more about that in detail, honestly. So <laughs> that's funny that you mentioned that. I was not exactly into wrestling as a kid. And the main reason for that being that like my family just kind of didn't watch it. That that was like the main part of it. Like we would remember when like SmackDown would change to like eight different channels all the time. Like at one point it was on sci-fi at right. other times it was like bouncing around. Like I don't think it was ever on Spike TV. I think that was TNA. But well, no, uh, Raw was on Spike for a while. Raw was okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, SmackDown yeah. hot potato for a hot minute. It was everywhere. And I remember like I would be watching TV. I'd be watching um, like the sci-fi channel sometimes on like a Friday night. Like I'd get home from school and I'd want to watch something like just based in like, you know, like sci-fi. Like it doesn't have to be like a mm -hmm. serious movie or anything like that. I just wanted to watch something, you know, fun and cheesy. Right. And then it would change to pro wrestling. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like it was just like a dramatic switch. Um, and I kind of just ignored it all the time because I didn't really have a background in it. Like I didn't really know anything about it. My parents weren't into it all. So like we'd watch it or like it would be on and my dad would just be like, oh, fine. Let's watch like five minutes of it just to see how it would go. <laughs> right. And then they would just shut it off. And I was like, wait, I was kind of watching that. And they're like, no. <laughs> you do not get to watch it like it it's 
It's strange. Wrestling's very different and it's very much an acquired taste. And I think that for a mm-hmm. lot of people, it's if you're not super, super into it, it's just gonna come across as like not something you really want to spend your time with, which is, you know, that that is what it is. Like everyone's yeah. gonna be able to make their own choices and decisions. But like I got really into it because uh my friends were over and we were watching Friday night SmackDown. It was on TV. We were just surfing through the channels and all my friends are like wrestling fans. <laughs> like everyone I grew up with was like super, super into it. Like they loved Jeff Hardy. They loved Triple H. They loved uh, John Cena. All those guys. So mm-hmm. it passed on and I like looked at it and I was like, <sighs> like, I don't know. And they're like, Austin just give it a shot. <laughs> we're, we're not doing anything else on a Friday night. Like we're 18 years old and we're sitting here watching TV. <laughs> kind of funny, but I was like, you know what? What do I have to lose? Like, let's just, just give it a shot. Why not? So we watched it and I was like, wait, that was kind of fun. <laughs> you know, I was able to like put aside my desire to critique it or to treat it as something that's like, because obviously it's a very different medium from, let's say, just just about regular TV, honestly. like any kind of TV program in general, or even like a movie, for example. Like, obviously, it's not real in the sense that like football is real, where it's like a real live competition. Wrestling is predetermined. <laughs> yeah. I people need to understand that. And once I was able to get over the fact that it was not, you know, a real competition, I was like, well, I kind of enjoy this. It's it's fun. <laughs> like yeah. you, you set aside your disbelief and you get involved in it and you go, This is absolutely this is so strange. <laughs> I don't understand it, but I kind of appreciate it. And from that point forward, I was just hooked. Like I was watching all the pay-per-views. My friends and I were like, you know, consistently like trying to predict who would win, who would win what, like kind of like what we did in a previous episode where we fantasy booked an episode, uh, like an episode of uh, Money in the Bank, which is a pay-per-view for WWE. Mm -hmm. And I just went head, head first. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so like by the time I was in college, I was a college freshman. <laughs> My friends are like, Hey, what are you doing this Sunday? And I was like, Oh, sorry. I, I got a, I got WWE. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to watch this pay-per-view. So uh, don't bother me right now. Cause I'm busy. <laughs> oh, that's I, awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, it was fun. And the one thing that I get super tired of now that I've been a fan for like five years, five, six years mm-hmm. is just hearing about, the fact that it's fake i'm so tired of it being called fake it's the most annoying (laughs) they're like oh like you know that wrestling's fake right and i'm like no dude i i don't think it's fake (laughs) yeah i think it's still real to me dang it it's still real to me but it's it's just such like a weird thing to say like it 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 almost tries to like discredit it entirely by going like Oh well, you know wrestling's not real, right? And it's like, dude, if you think wrestling's not real, wait until you hear about movies. <laughs> and it's so ironic now because it's like the highest grossing movie of all time is a superhero movie, right? And it's like, yeah, 
Robert Downey Jr. is not actually Iron Man. I mean, he's charming as Tony Stark, but he's not an actual engineer. I hate to break it to you. And the people that die in movies don't actually die like they did in the movie. That's so weird, right? (laughs) John being so thankful for that. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I'm just, I don't know. I, I'm got, I've gotten so tired of like hearing that argument at this point that I just kind of like blow it off. But it's just so weird because they're like, it's not real. I was like, yeah, no. I'm trying not yeah, to curse. no, I know. Hey, you're, you're good. I know I've, I've had that anger. I com- actually, it's interesting that because the path you just described, like how you came to like it, actually happened with my college roommate. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like yourself, he was in, he did uh, wrestling in high school. And one day I'm just, cause it's before the WWE network was a thing. So I'm just like looking up stuff on YouTube and watching like old matches. And he just gets really angry at me. He's like, why are you watching that fake stuff? And just, and he's a big guy. So when he starts getting angry, I'm like, okay, I need to avoid death. So how do I defuse this really quick? <laughs> and, uh, I was like, I was like, hold up, hold up. I haven't said any, like normally when I, when you get this anger, I've said something, I haven't done anything. What's the problem? And he just tells me, he's like, well, when he was in, when he was wrestling, people were like mocking him going, Hey man, why don't you just hit him with a steel chair? Her, 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 or just, you know, power bomb the guy you'll win immediately. And he's like, it's not that kind of wrestling. And he's I stopped him and went, hold on, do me one favor. And he goes, okay. He's like, I'll pull up a match. I can't remember what I pulled up. Look at it from an entertainment standpoint, not from a, like, like you would a uh, actual wrestling match. Look at it from how much is it entertaining you like a movie. And then he quickly fell in love. Right. Cause it's literally, that's why they call it sports entertainment. That's literally the point. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, Oh, like, because I can understand where he's coming from. I wrestled for five, six years, like roughly six years. And like, no one really gave me that kind of like, like the, oh, just RKO. I'm like, because if you try right. to do an actual wrestling move on someone, nine, nine times out of 10, it's not going to work. And <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get seriously injured in a fight or whatever you're doing. But even in like normal, like amateur wrestling, like freestyle wrestling that I did, like those moves, just it's not real because, like, if you, <laughs> I know, no, I, I no, I can even though we're recording like in separate apartments, I can almost see the frustration on your face. I'm getting red. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting like actively more red as time goes on. Because no, but it, that's it's why flustering. <laughs> no, that's why it, I think it's great that. Uh, that's why I just I found it fascinating. Like you came. Like you're, you coming to like it was the same path that I did with my roommate. And it got to a point that like yourself, uh, when I moved out and the WWE network became a thing and I was like, Hey, SummerSlam's coming up. You want to join me? He's like, yeah, of course. I want to see what's happening. Right. And yeah, it's just, you get used to it. Cause at a certain point you just realize there are some people who are just not going to like it and they're not going to give it a chance. So just don't even really bother with them anymore. So they just sit there and say how fake it is. I just kind of shrug it off. And if they really bother me about it, I just pull up the video of this just injury and go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so 
you cut out there for a second i can <laughs> but um oh yeah no i've i've shown people videos of like the injuries that they've had uh i think one in particular i want to say it was joey mercury when he got oh, hit in the ladder? face with a ladder and he was bleeding all over the place i was like does that oh, look man. fake to you does that look yeah does that look fake to you <laughs> the proper way is like it's 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 scripted. Yes, the winners are predetermined. But the athleticism is real. The jumping around and slamming on the ground, that is real. Right. It's it's kind of like a movie in that sense where it's like you write everything down, you have everything planned, and then you go out there and you tell a story. Yeah. Uh, what it reminded me of is I a class I took in college was stage combat. Mm-hmm. And it was for theater, not for film, because obviously it's a little different. Uh, since theater, you have a whole side of the stage that you can hide from the audience. Right. But um, just taking that one class for myself gave me so much of an appreciation for pro wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> because like we're doing a simple like minute and a half long fight. And to, and we made sure we rehearsed it. We made sure our hands and our fist would hit the right spot. So it sounded like I punched them when I didn't. And we're just drenched in sweat. And that was to properly rehearse a minute and a half. Right. It's no, exhausting. Like, and there are athletes that literally do that for hours and hours on end. I think they're on the road, like, especially with WWE wrestlers. I think they're on the road almost like 240 days out of the year. Oh, yeah. It's a ridiculous amount of like. Uh, and, and, and that's actually an improvement for how it used to be before Vince took over everything. Right. <laughs> it was every single day. You're yeah, always like every day working. and twice on Sunday. It's like, oh my gosh. Right. And it, I think in a way like, and I mean this in the best possible way too, in particular with WWE and now kind of with AEW coming around, which I love AEW. I mm-hmm. want to talk about AEW at some point too, but it's sure it's still a little fresh. So I think that maybe we can explore that um, in another episode. I, yeah. when I think of WWE and I mean this in with the utmost amount of respect. It kind of reminds me of what, what a stuntman soap opera would be like. No, that's accurate. There's even an interviewer. Triple H flat out called them stuntmen. Well, so right. yeah, it, cause they are. <laughs> and people kind of ignore it, but like they're getting hit in the head. Like back in the day, they used to take unprotected chair shots. And for someone oh. who doesn't know, an unprotected uh, t- chair shot. Sorry, I'm losing my voice for a second. <laughs> when you take an unprotected tear sh- chair shot, someone grabs a steel chair and hits you directly in either in the face or the back of the head or on the top of the head, and mm-hmm. you do not defend it. You do not block it. You just nope. sit there and you take that chair to the head and you like it. <laughs> yep. And, and they don't do sometime- that anymore. No, ever since um some certain events happened that will make that to where it will it, like there since you mentioned AEW, there's a reason why there was one unprotected hair shot headshot. I can't say it either <laughs> in AEW that happened and people lost their mind in anger. And that showed you just how different things had gotten between just even like 10 years ago. Why? No. And I kind of agree with them on that because no, it's dangerous. I think it's great. I think it's, it's so great. Dangerous. And yeah. speaking of that, I, well, there was a time back in the late nineties, early two thousands with uh, Mick Foley and the rock where <laughs> it was, I'm glad that it's never happened again, but mm-hmm. long story short, 
Mick Foley took approximately 10 unprotected chair shots to the head while his hands were tied behind his back. And yep. I don't think that he was super happy with the rock. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be either. Right. And it was like, I think it was planned to do like one or two, not 10, Yeah, <laughs> which is I absurd. Mean, I think to this day, cause there, there's some wrestling podcasts I'll listen to where they talk about, well, they'll, they'll like review and cover old pay-per-views. And when they covered that particular one, they even told people like, if you go back and watch this, we understand if you cut out at a certain point in that match, because it does get rough. It was horrifying. I had to stop watching it because I could literally feel my teeth vibrating. From, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, it's brutal. And obviously like that, it wasn't the intent to like seriously injure someone. And I'm glad that, you know, everyone's okay now, but like, it's just shows that like, there's a lot of, inherent danger in doing mm-hmm. professional wrestling. And speaking of that, <laughs> I want to talk about one of my favorite wrestlers and actually the person that really, really got me into wrestling. And this was back when I was like, I wasn't really fully watching it yet, but I was like playing the games with my friends and like watching a little bit here and there, like on my own time. And that's Daniel Bryan. <laughs> Understandable. Dan- Daniel Bryan is probably I would say one of my all-time favorite wrestlers ever. <laughs> it mm-hmm. started off because like at the time, like when people started making the comparisons, they because uh, <laughs> I had really long hair and I had a really long beard and I was like 18, <laughs> which I should never have grown that hairstyle. And I wish someone would have stopped me. <laughs> I, like if someone could go back in time and be like, Austin, like stop. <laughs> Think about what you're doing. I like people pointed that out to me and I was like, Oh, like I've heard that name before. And I started watching. And honestly, like it's pretty inspiring because the thing with WWE is that for the longest, longest time, everyone knows Hulk Hogan. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even if you're not into wrestling, you know, who like Hulk Hogan is and like Mm -hmm. Macho man, Randy Savage and stone cold, Mm -hmm. Steve Austin. And there's a pattern with all of these performers where they're absolutely jacked. (laughs) Yeah. They're enormous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they like Hulk Hogan, I think was six, six in his prime. A six, six, six. Uh, I think it's six, seven, six, seven. You, oh my gosh. But yeah, he was a mountain. <laughs> he's a big, big man. And stone cold, I think is like six, two. The rock is six, five. Yeah. And macho man was only about six foot, but he was so jacked. You kind of forgot he was shorter than everybody else. Right. His, his muscle veins had veins on top of their veins with their own muscle veins. So yeah, <laughs> he, and he was great. Also fun fact. I like to point this out, but he, for anybody who doesn't know, he was a uh, bone saw in the original Spider-Man yes. that Sam Raimi made. Amazing. Uh, <laughs> I always love it just for that one moment. It's great. Bone saw is ready. <laughs> I got you three minutes, <laughs> three minutes of playtime. Oh, it's it's amazing. But that's kind of like even that movie kind of made it a little bit more like seem like professional wrestling was real when it, well, is scripted and, you know, predetermined. And the funny thing about that was that they just threw him in there and then handed him like a steel chair, <laughs> like all these <laughs> weapons. And I was like, there's no way. What is this? A new Jack match? <laughs> like the, the safety mat, the safety precautions they had, they just like threw out the window. They're like, no one's ever going to see this. No one's ever going to find out. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. 
the best part there i was almost like i know they're just playing up for comedic effect but i was like are we taking shots at the indies here maybe but i, I don't know i just love that i know I, I doubt they went that deep into it they probably just want to be ridiculous but there's just a part of me that wonders i want to put on the tinfoil hat for a moment i know i i think about that sometimes too but <laughs> i uh so daniel bryan obviously he's five eight 200 pounds which for his size is very big Mm -hmm. and you know he's a vegan so people kind of like give him a hard time they're like oh like he's a vegan how could he have muscle and like you know how can he take down guys that are like 6'4 250 280 pounds and like at a point i guess that can kind of make sense but it was perfect for his storyline which back in i want to say 2013 was when it really started to get like momentum And in 2014 was when it really took off because he was not put in the Royal Rumble, which is like an Mm -hmm. annual huge tradition. And the fans were just so behind him. That's all they wanted. All they wanted was Daniel Bryan and like CM Punk, but mostly Mm -hmm. Daniel Bryan. (laughs) He (laughs) was getting ready to be. I I don't I don't want to say he was going to be like the guy of wwe like i don't think he was going to be like their poster boy because that was still cena was kind of like slowly you know moving towards like more of a a part-time role in the company which is fine because he's 43 now and you know you had a lot of younger guys who are capable of you know holding their own you had the shield who had three main event stars in it you Mm -hmm. had cm punk obviously who while on the older side is still very very capable and they had a lot of young talent in NXT and NXT hadn't fully become what it is now, which is basically like NXT was like a developmental brand, quote unquote, mm-hmm. where they would have a lot of the new guys or guys that like needed to come in and learn the WWE style, like which is a more which I kind of respect this, but it's like a safer approach to professional wrestling so that you can reduce injury, reduce injury to your opponent. And you can. I'm trying to find the right word. <laughs> no, I think safer sums it up pretty well. Right. It, it's kind of like the Miz, where like the Miz doesn't do anything super flashy. He doesn't, yeah. you know, do a a jumping headbutt off the top of a ladder onto someone. Oh god. And <laughs> which like that, I don't think anyone does that, but <laughs> well, never never since uh uh redacted happened. Right. Not for a very, very long time because unfortunately, like a lot of wrestlers and as concussion, um, like the study of concussions and CTE goes on, like people are starting to understand more, like one, how it affects people, two, how it happens in the first place, and three, how it can be avoided. So the yeah. cool thing, and Daniel Bryan actually retired in 2016. He had to announce his retirement because he had quite a history of concussions because as a smaller guy he would do things that would put him at a higher risk of injury because <laughs> when you're not you know six seven 290 pounds it's easier it's easier to throw yourself around the ring and you know make yourself stand out more instead of just being like a big like massive beef and muscle (laughs) who can just like kick someone and the crowd's like oh my gosh (laughs) it's completely different the industry's changed over time 
And he is a perfect example of how it really started to push people to the top. And I love that. It's inspiring because you watch someone who obviously has all the talent in the world. He delivers some really, really great promos too. Like he's so, especially when you give him something that he's just genuinely invested in, it's kind of amazing to watch because he's just so impassioned and fired up about everything. And he's so charismatic. And for the, he showed that people who aren't the stereotypical big muscle man can succeed and can be the top guy. And that for me really rang home. Like I loved that because I was like, you don't have to be the biggest, toughest dude, but you have to be the best version of yourself and you have to believe in what you can do. Oh yeah. And especially his journey of, like you said, he retired, but then he found a way to come back and just everything he went through to do that. It's just, it's like, I'm with you. It's, like he, he, it's like how do you not get behind how how do you not get behind him for whatever he's doing? How cold is your heart to not care about this man? <laughs> exactly. And he affected uh, everyone outside of wrestling too. Like I remember they're doing the yes chance at like baseball games. <laughs> yeah, and th- there are people having no idea it started with a wrestler, and they're doing the like just pointing their you know hands in the air, you know, chanting yes because it, it was just a simple thing. It's it's really amazing and very indicative of like how wrestling can kind of branch into the mainstream. Like it's always mm-hmm. been around. It's always something that like people can acknowledge as a consistent force in media. But it's sort of like the the young cousin that some people like the distant cousin that people kind of forget is there. Yeah, I was <laughs> which gonna say, is distant cousin though. works because like, you're about to say younger. I was like, well, wrestling's been around as long as film has been around so it's not the young it's kind of like the almost like the cousin that you don't acknowledge which is exactly which is bizarre because it's like who's the biggest paid actor in hollywood and also the hardest working actor in hollywood right now is the rock yep i mean you have batista who is one of the single like fan favorite characters in the mcu which is full of fan favorite characters and he sticks out amongst them and cena is taking over and uh, in his own way. And to this day, uh, I'll have like, I'll wear like a Roddy Piper shirt and people still will come up, will come up to me quoting like they live because everyone still loves that movie. It's a great movie. And so it's just, yeah. So you're like, just how much it believes in the mainstream. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. And like, especially like there's always certain people where that tends to be more, of a prevalent thing, like especially with Cena, like Cena is such a meme now <laughs> in the best embrace, possible way. Dude, I love it. It's amazing. And they're like, who, why? And they're like, someone will share a photo of like John Cena. And they'll be like, I can't see him. Like, where did he go? And <laughs> it's That still cracks me up to this day. And like, you know, there's him. And then obviously Stone Cold Steve Austin, like everyone in their mom knows who Stone Cold Steve Austin mm-hmm. is. If you, yeah. I don't care if you despised wrestling with every fiber of your being, you knew who Stone Cold Steve Austin was. And I think by like, obviously I'm not speaking off of like any data that I have, but I've heard from people who've been actively involved in the industry for a long time that Stone Cold Steve Austin is actually probably the single biggest star in the history of wrestling. Yeah. I think it's like his merch, like overall gross has uh, surpassed uh, Hogan's. That's crazy. That's so crazy to think about. 
<laughs> oh yeah, because I didn't think it's like who do you get to surpass Hogan? Because I think it's easy to forget now because obviously the industry was very different in the eighties, not just in like wrestlers, but just in presentation and everything. Oh yeah, but like people will tell you how like uh, Hogan reached a status where it's like he was wrestling, and it's like if there was like a wrestling Jesus, it's like it was Hulk Hogan back in the eighties. And so when you tell me, if you, when you say stone cold passed him in terms of like being a bigger sell, that is something that people for a long time would never have believed you. Right. But it's apparently true. (laughs) He was, he wasn't around for as long as Hogan though, which is interesting because I think he, you know, his injuries, his neck injury, obviously Mm -hmm. like cut his career short, which is really, you know, disappointing, but with what he did in the time that he had is really like really impressive. It was a perfect storm of just like, he was angry because he had gone to all these other companies and it just didn't work out. And then he comes to WWE and they give him an awful gimmick of being the ringmaster, whatever that even means. Um, like even to this day, he's like, I don't know what that means. And, uh, uh, so he's angry. He's just, and then of course is right when the company is being more about attitude and being like, show me that you want it. And Austin was the poster child of angry person. That is just, I am super mad. Screw everyone. I'll stun my own grandmother. If I have to, <laughs> I don't you- care what I like. It, look, I mean, he would flip off everybody. He goes, if you watch old interviews with him, I mean, when he's in character, obviously, like Stone Cold, the person, like listening to his podcast, he's clearly a fun, I mean, he seems to be a good guy. But like, when he's in character, he has this look of like, even if you're his teammate, he might murder you if he gets bored. And you're just like, oh. Which I think he did a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty I mean, sure that he was known for like that kind of, uh, well, like the funny thing about it is, is like, it's, almost every punk rocker's dream of like your boss, literally letting you stick it to them every Monday night (laughs) for several years. It's very punk rock. And I kind of respect that. (laughs) Like it's a corporate company, but it still has that punk spirit and that very angry, like I'm going to do it my way and you're not going to stop me. And like, you know, for a lot of people, I feel like that really resonated with them. Oh, easily, especially, I mean, you could tell that they knew what they had and they milked it as they should have for every penny it was worth. Cause mm-hmm. like you'd have most like when Austin finally became the champion, he beat Shawn Michaels, who was kind of the other rebellious person, but rebellious in a different way. Yeah. And I know. Yes. 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 That's another That's podcast it itself. That's a yeah, completely I, other episode. <laughs> 90 Shawn Michaels is a trip, but, um, <laughs> Uh, it's like, who would you rather have 90 Shawn Michaels or eighties flair? Well, <laughs> uh, yes. <But> anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, Austin wins the title and, and McMahon does the ultimate. I mean, it's almost like it's out of a movie. I mean, cause I'm sure they probably took it from movies where McMahon representing everything, corporate, everything, capitalistic, everything, just suit stuffy, boring. And he extends his hand out to Austin going, wear a suit and I'll turn you into the most respectable man ever. Austin flips on the double word. 
starts to stone everybody and goes, no, I'm going to do it the way I want. And that's the most relate. Like everyone has felt that with their boss at some point. Right. And uh, I think you cut out there for a second, Caleb. So I'm going to make sure and reiterate what you said. But basically, Stone Cold was offered to be a company man, wear a suit, be the best champion in history. He ripped it off, flipped everyone off, and they threw him a beer. And history was made. (laughs) Yeah, and they were off. And it was the what made that rivalry so great is because since since Vince obviously is not a wrestler, he literally threw the entire roster at Austin as like a buffer. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, oh, he beat Billy Gunn. Uh, Somebody else, uh, get McFoley out here. We beat McFoley. Get the Rock. Somebody else, keep that bald sob off of me. <laughs> and that I I like to think about like that time like when a lot of people look at the Attitude Era and people like and especially like you and I have probably heard this like a million times where people are like we should go back to how the Attitude Era was like we should be exactly where they were like they were so good back then and <laughs> I think good, when people yes. think of that uh, um yeah no sorry finish your thought I know where you're going. When people think of that, I think they think specifically of like Stone Cold and The Rock and like most of what DX did, which yes makes sense. But like you kind of forget that there's some things in the Attitude Era that like when you go back and you watch it. <laughs> well, Edge and Christian, both of them, since they were kind of on the tail end of it, but they were there for, I guess you could say like the final third mm-hmm. of the war. They've straight out said like, like, look, in terms of like story and like there was something for everyone to do and the audience cared about every single segment, whether it was the big story with Austin and the rock and the McMahons, or it was just some random comedy like act going on with gold dust. You cared about every segment and that's true. But there were also like, but there was also a lot of two minute matches that were pointless. Guys just ran in, ate a finisher and got pinned. And it's like, and they sat there and goes, you really want to go back to that? <laughs> don't even no. get me started on how they treated the female wrestlers. <laughs> don't yeah. even get me started. I Yeah, there's there's a whole story about how like that's Cream of the Women is what ultimately got my dad to stop to stop watching. It was brutal, man. Like I I've gone back and I've watched a lot of it. And I mean, at least like people are like, well, they were wrestling and it's like but what were they given? Like they yeah. weren't really well, given a whole lot mm-hmm. and they didn't get to prove because they, it just came across as like, they weren't given the chance to be a wrestler. It came across as like them being more look at all candy. the pretty women and yeah, eye candy. Yeah. It's kind of gross. Oval. It's gross. Yeah. But it also well, was a part of why people love the attitude era so much because it just was this completely like chaotic, Anything can happen. It's it's out of control. There's beer and and women and I'm yeah, it's like it went, the wall and <laughs> <laughs> it kind of went through like it's crazy, like almost like a teenage partier like uh, phase. Mm-hmm. And well, because like it's almost like what you're talking about. Like we talked about like uh, in college of someone I told you, hey, don't don't grow your hair and beard out like that. It's almost like they had their that was like their phase of like when you hear a bunch of people like when they talk about the stuff they regretted doing in high school and college, if they could do it again, they would not have done some of those things. Uh, there's a lot of moments in the attitude era like that where 
I'm sure they would love to take it back. Oh my gosh. That there's, <laughs> I, I don't even think we can get into a lot of this stuff about that on well, here in one episode. We'd have to find creative way. Well, not, oh, no, not on this episode. No, no, but <laughs> there's particularly, I kind of noticed this pattern where it almost seems like with WWE, there was a time where, especially I would say like in the eighties and nineties where it's kind of like, you know, it appealed more to kids in the sense of like, it was like good, always triumphs over evil, Mm -hmm. like evil. The good guy's always going to beat the bad guy in the end. Like truth will always prevail. And then that's like the, the adolescence, like the youth years. Mm -hmm. And then the teenage years was when they're like, everybody sucks. I'm going to drink beer and we're going to have like intergendered matches on raw and we're going to hurt each other and be all excited. Yeah. And, ah, and then the ruthless like, aggression was kind of like a little bit more, well, I'm not going to say sensitive, but <laughs> a little well, bit more in tune with like, Hey, we can't get away with everything. It's kind of like more of the college years where it's like, you're trying to be more serious. Yeah. You're, you're going I, into it. And then, Everything after that, like the PG era and so on, is where you're trying to give the best product possible for everyone. It's kind of like you graduated. Yeah. Now you have a really good job. <laughs> now That's, now you have skin in the game and you have something to fight for. Right. And you're a you're a publicly traded company. So it would make sense that you're not going to do some absolutely outlandish stuff on live TV where everyone can see it. Oh, gosh. No. And, and with the attitude era, like you're talking like. I guess the reason why some people, I guess, will not, I guess, I don't know, give the pass, not sure the right word, but with the way they did with the women is that the wrestling still took precedent over the eye candy. Right. Ruthless aggression that flipped. And like I said, we talked like that'll be a whole other episode. So trust me, we're not about to get into that. Right. But, (laughs) um, when I flipped, that's when they lost a ton of fans and a ton of people, like I said, including my dad and which is huge. Like you just lost a guy who's been watching for decades. He's just like, Nope, I can't watch someone that's going to treat women like that. <laughs> uh, where you care more about who's on the cover of playboy than who's the champion. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, that was pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah. The, the cover girl was a bigger deal than being champion. Oh, and you're man. like, what, what, <laughs> uh, but uh, but you're right. That's why I do. But I, I think what people, when they are big rabbit trail of like, when people say they want to imitate the Attitude Era, they just want to imitate that. Because during the Monday Night War, since DVR, none of that existed yet. And it's not like you go back and rewatch it later because it wasn't Hulu or anything yet. Mm-hmm. So you were flipping back and forth. And you could only stay on that channel as long as it was entertaining because if it wasn't, you'd flip back over to the other one in case of what they had was good. So it forced both companies to have to constantly do things that were like would pop ratings, it would get your attention, and it would keep your attention. So I think people want to go back to that where it's just like uh, where you just have these big, larger-than-life characters just constantly going at each other. And I understand it from that perspective, but like, like we've both just discussed at length, you can't bring it back exactly as it is because it's very much a product of its time. 
And I think that for a lot of people, they want that sense of like unpredictability because the yeah. one thing I've noticed with a lot of like modern wrestling is I can usually go like, I know where this is going, which yeah, not inherently a bad thing. Like being able to predict something isn't an awful trait. It just means that like, I just hope that the story and how we get there is really engaging and really exciting. Like that's what I'm looking for. Exactly. It's like, a, I mean, I mentioned superheroes because obviously there's a lot of similarities between comics and pro wrestling, but um, it's like when you go watch any superhero movie, you know, the superheroes win. Yeah. So, but you want to know how do they win? And say there's wrestling. You may be able to tell like, oh yeah, clearly uh, this person's going to win or, but it, it, you want to see how. And especially if they do a really good job, like since you mentioned Daniel Bryan, when he had his big title win at WrestleMania, even though you were like 98% sure he was going to win, they managed to make you go, oh, I might be wrong. Right. I think he might lose. <laughs> and the moment you can get a fan to start doubting themselves, you've done a good job. That's very true. And I think that like that's one of the things about like we're almost kind of spoiled with the amount of amazing wrestling that we have just like available at our fingertips, especially with the WWE network, we can just go back and watch whatever we want. Mm -hmm. So like, and all the territories they own. (laughs) Right. So like when people are like, well, I want the attitude era. So it's like, well, you can still go watch it. Like, (laughs) yeah, they literally just made a playlist specifically of all the raws, all the raws and like, yeah. And it's like, well, I didn't, or if you're like, oh, I was an ECW guy, go watch those. If you're a WCW guy, go watch those. Times have changed, and I think that for a lot of people, they're just looking to find a lot of, and this isn't a bad thing, but it probably reminds them of things that they grew up with and cherished, and they want to see the things that they enjoyed about it on in the present product. And yeah. I'm, I don't know. I, I'm excited for it because wrestling's not going anywhere. And no. It, any company can get a $2 billion contract from a company just for the rights to like air their product shows you they're they're here to stay right the fact that AEW has a TNT TV deal is crazy good like, oh my gosh <laughs> that's yes. awesome like I if you told me a couple years ago that there'd be a company that like and I don't like to think of them as rivals like I like to they're think not. of them as like not even really competitors but they just push each other to always be better to try new things because like AEW tries things that WWE has done and WWE is trying things that they've done and I think it's kind of great for all of us because we get to watch things come to life on screen with different people who have different chances to stand out and now you don't have just one place that has everybody and you know everyone's really trying to make their name heard and like Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's every company has a different objective and they have different goals with the wrestlers that they have. So I really like that we have this place now where we can watch and enjoy both of these different things. Cause it's not like WCW where you're competing no. for TV ratings. That's never going to happen again. I think in my opinion, Well, <laughs> no, not with the way cables are going. No, <laughs> no. And I think that this kind of shows that we have an opportunity to really dive into like what this is because it's it's everywhere now it's always going to be around and we have 
different products. Like it's kind of like Marvel and DC where mm-hmm. you have very, very different products with different characters and they have the chance to do the best with what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And that, that just, mm, I'm so excited. I know. Well, <laughs> if you had told me two years ago that uh, TNT would get back into the wrestling game, I'd ask you, what are you on? Because uh, you need to quit it. They're never getting back into wrestling. <laughs> Don't Not you come after at WCW. me like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> after the failure that WCW turned into, they would never X out like that again. And yet here we are. And yet so I'll never... here we are. Exactly. Like, I'll never forget on Instagram, just scrolling through. And I saw, because, you know, sometimes things can pop in your feed from like sponsored pages. And so I do follow a few wrestlers. They're like, oh, here's something we think you would like to see. And it was just TNT in the background had the fire logo, the fire, which I immediately as a WCW guy, I recognized the fire they used. And all it said was, we're back into wrestling, boys. It's so great. <laughs> I, I was, I almost dropped my phone. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember like, I've kind of done like more of like, I've given myself a history lesson on everything in wrestling, especially since I got the WWE Network, which has changed my life and my wrestling approach in a way that's the best because like, I can now just go back and watch a lot of these things. And I've been able to watch a lot of great matches. And oh yeah. The WrestleMania 20 main event, which had three people <laughs> in it. And <laughs> there were, there were some people that wrestled that night, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we <laughs> we'll get into that at some point of why we keep making this joke, but just let us have this. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that like, if I just say WrestleMania 20 in the match, a lot of people who already know wrestling will know exactly what I'm talking about. And a lot of yeah. people I don't will have a very interesting Google search ahead of them. <laughs> Keep the safe search on in case there's some of the more sadistic people out there. Just saying. Right. And I'm, I'm really excited for where like WWE is at at this point in their career. And a couple of people that I'm really looking forward to, like in conclusion, I kind of wanted to talk about like some of my favorite current wrestlers that I think have a really mm-hmm. strong future ahead of them. And I think you know exactly who I'm going to mention. <laughs> Absolutely, It's Alistair Black because he's amazing mm-hmm. and he's very charismatic. He can talk. A, he's so good at talking and he's also a great wrestler. It's, it's easy. Yeah, <laughs> His strikes sound like he's killing people, which is perfect for what his character is. There's been so many times like I showed a, uh, I showed my girlfriend, uh, like some matches with her because my roommate and I we love WWE we watch it all the time and we showed her like some Alistair Black stuff that we were just watching and there were some times when he would kick people and she would literally recoil <laughs> it, dude and you would hear that loud slap and you're yeah. just like oh that guy just died plus they just fall to the ground like a rag doll they're just like ooh <laughs> oh those moments like it should like that's when wrestling is good oh man is it good it's amazing and like when it looks like they got seriously injured you're like oh my gosh oh (laughs) it's jarring because you think that someone got literally injured yeah 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 it's fun but like i love his presence i love the way that he he provides because he doesn't just look like a very like stereotypical like you know like a, a wrestler that you would create and create a wrestler 
<laughs> no. And, you know, he is like, I think something like 54, 55 tattoos, maybe more. That um, sounds right. Right. And he has a very unique aura to him that makes it feel like, and plus his entrance is awesome. <laughs> his entrance it's, rules. It's perfect. He's so good. And he's proven that he can have amazing matches with pretty much anybody. I don't think I've ever seen him have a bad match. No. No. And that's why they, I realized this the other day. I was doing some research. Apparently, he has a preeminent win loss record in WWE. Mm-hmm. Like he's won, I want to say like over 80 to 90% of his matches. Oh, yeah. They clearly love the guy. Oh, I yeah. Mean, they're I, super behind him. I, I sometimes wonder if that's why he hasn't maybe won a title yet. Obviously, winning the title means you have to eventually lose it. Right. And I don't think they're ready for that because I've, Based on what I've seen and like what I've read online, which is obviously you have to take that with like a very big grain of salt. But (laughs) I look at it and then I compare it to what I'm seeing and I'm like, oh, my gosh, like they're building him up to something. And yeah, if if nothing else, it'd be kind of like that Undertaker-esque presence. Uh, Let's not compare uh, him to Undertaker, though, quite. No, I just meant like (laughs) I just meant like, you know, like how he for. A long time he just had that presence mm-hmm. of like you could have a heel that's like a bad guy that's just like wrecking shop and no one seems to be able to stop him but the moment you heard the gong you're like well they're about to die <laughs> right it's it's almost like he doesn't need the title i don't want to say he's beyond the title because the title is incredibly important for a lot of people too it, no, it he establishes still, he did, main he still needs some reins yeah and he i think he absolutely will but the feeling that I have with him is that he isn't going to need it to always be the character that he is because he won um, in NXT when he won the title, he had only lost a singles match. No, the only match he lost was in like a fatal four way match. Other than that, he had not lost at all. Yeah. In, in a no, singles I, match. Exactly. That's I mean, wild. That's, that's what I'm saying about him having that presence of like, I'm not trying to say like his his character is just like the Undertaker because obviously no, very right. different. Yeah, but just that aura of like when he's coming to the ring, you're like, oh, this sucks. This is about <laughs> to get real. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, no, but like I said, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with the guy because it's very clear they they love him. Yeah, they adore him, and he's very, very, very good at what he does. And he's very likable. I I follow him on social media too. And like, it's not like he posts a lot about like his personal life and everything, but you can kind of just tell that he's like a very genuine down to earth person based on what he's put online. And that's, that's cool. And I, I, I hope he's got a really strong future ahead of him because I mean, please don't, I I don't think they'll ever misuse him or waste him. (laughs) Yeah. I think he's at the point now where honestly his only true enemy is himself. Yeah. Like and he's pretty much done nothing wrong. Like I remember reading a story about him uh, that he told about Roman um, Mm -hmm. back when Roman got, uh, when he had leukemia and how Roman, like, cause Roman noticed him like doing all these nice things and like going out of his way to like do other things for everyone else backstage and like on the tour. And he was, you know, trying to be a good, not only a good employee, but like be a good, locker room partner for everyone there and that like stood out to me because it's like you know if someone 
who does that obviously isn't looking for getting credit for it. They're just doing it because, you know, they're a good person <laughs> and like yeah, a, good, a all around good guy, a good yeah. coworker. And yeah, even beyond that, I'm like, you know, that it just excites me. Cause it's like someone who comes across as an excellent person is a great wrestler and a great presence. I, I don't know. I'm really excited yeah. for it. Checks all the boxes, which I, I, like I said, I look forward to seeing what he does. <laughs> yeah, I I remember seeing back when he first got signed with the company back in uh, 2017. And, you know, like you see people g- get signed all the time and it, it's cool. You're like, oh, that's going to be awesome. Like, I can't wait to see what they do. But with him, it was different because I was like, there's something very different about him that stands out. Right. This is now an Alistair Black. <laughs> this is now an Alistair Black appreciation episode, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fine. Look, we can derail this real quick and talk about like my favorite. Because mm-hmm. I finally discovered who it is. Let's let's talk about it. Let's uh for because I think we're about to to end here, but I want to hear what you have to say about that. Okay. Well, I just say I, I preface it that way because uh, after Goldberg, I didn't really have like a favorite. I put on the same level as him. I always had guys like I mentioned earlier, like Jericho, Kane, Edge, whatever that I liked, and I would tune in specifically to watch them. But I, they just never got to that same level for me. Mm-hmm. And then I realized in the last couple of months, there is a wrestler that got to the to that level. And to really show you how far WWE has come with the women's division, it's Asuka. Oh, yeah. And I realized it, it finally clicked. I went, she has this. She's on the same level as Goldberg in, for me now. Mm-hmm. I, was the, like, I just I, I, I adore her. And the really cool thing about her, too, is like, I feel super. Like, I'm glad that I got to watch, like, when women's wrestling became, you know, what it is today, which is, like, on par, if not sometimes usually better than, like, their counterparts. And, you know, it's treated like a serious competition with women who are exceptionally talented. And I feel Mm -hmm. so lucky that I got to see that now. So I'm really glad you're bringing up Asuka. Oh, yeah. I just, I think it's also just with her, because at first she just came in and she was just, super dominant person, which is great. I mean, that's obviously a great gimmick to start off with. And especially like in the NXT, we've talked about in the previous wrestling episode, how she left NXT undefeated mm-hmm. and that will always be her legacy. And, but then when she finally did lose, she kind of went through a, like almost like a wandering through the desert phase where I don't know. If she, I don't know if it was her, the company, but clearly there was, they were not on the same wavelength, mm-hmm. but then she teamed up with Kyrie Sane, created the Kabuki Warriors, and she fully embraced doing the Green Mist. And I'm just like, I am one hundred thousand percent on board with everything I'm. Watching. Yeah, she's fantastic. Like I remember, like I started watching NXT like around the time that she debuted, and she was legitimately frightening. In a very yes. good way. And she would kick people so hard, like their hair would change color. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that Scott Pilgrim moment. It's like, he, she hit the highlights out of her hair. You would just see spit, like, fly <laughs> across the ring, like, into the crowd. And it's like, it's SeaWorld, like, when the orca, like, <laughs> when the orca <laughs> breaches. And they're just like, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that was great. I mean, that was a great thing for her to have for a long time. But just like I said, once you get beat. And because it has to happen eventually. Right. Uh, 
they kind of had to figure out what to do with her afterwards. Like I said, now she has the even more terrifying because now she does the uh, green vein looking things around her eye. Mm-hmm. And even her masks have it now that she comes out with. Mm-hmm. And normally, and this also shows how far WWE's come in this regard as well. Because it was always said you have to be able to speak English at least decently well in order to become a big deal with them. And Asuka can speak very broken English. Mm-hmm. And they've let her just start screaming in Japanese. Well, she's and so charismatic that they just let her do that because they trusted her to be entertaining. And I think the main thing they realized, which I hope transfers over to Shinsuke Nakamura, mm-hmm. is that because I love Shinsuke Nakamura oh, so he's much. Phenomenal. He's so good. But like the thing is, is like you don't have to be. I'm hoping that it continues that like it shouldn't be the one thing that stops you from being a legitimate superstar is the fact that you don't speak perfect English because there's so much more that a lot of these wrestlers bring to the table that like at that point I'm like, dude, I don't care if they speak English or not. Like (laughs) exactly. They can get a manager who can speak better. Like give them Paul Heyman or something like exactly. Or, or it's like at the very least, like with Oscar, I don't know what she's saying, but from her body language, I have a pretty good idea. I can understand. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I know when she's angry because she gets an angry face and I get scared safely sitting on my couch and the crowd all knows it too they can't they uh one of my favorite chances oscar's gonna kill you oh my <laughs> gosh i just love it because like finally it, it's just so cool that a woman gets the chant that they used to only say for like taz or lesnar yeah here's a woman getting that chant yeah now it's like well i don't think it happens so much with becky which i think we should have our own episode on becky lynch Oh, we can. Yeah. I love Becky, but it's, it's yeah. so it's just great because like now you have Oscar who is very much like an international superstar and you have mm-hmm. Becky Lynch too, who's a major, major, like she goes beyond like the wrestling world too, of like a lot of people I know, know who Becky Lynch is now. She's kind of mm-hmm. becoming like that main, like very well-known name. And that's awesome. Like it's so different yeah. from where we were in this 10 last, years ago yeah <laughs> five years ago even yeah well yeah 2015 yeah yeah because 2015 crazy. yeah they were still getting short matches i mean that's and we could i know we keep saying whole episode it's because pro wrestling we could talk about it in, infinitely but uh it kind of reminds me of like the when you have someone like natalia mm-hmm. who she dealt with the diva era so she literally has seen from where it was back when they only they had to go do a Santa's little helper match where it was just basically watch a bunch of women fight in bikinis to main eventing WrestleMania so within awesome. her, the span of her career. Cause she's always been consistently like she's one of the women that has like consistently been, I've never had a bad thing to say about her. Mm-hmm. She's always been really great. Well, people have said that she's kind of like the, uh, well, Especially when they try to do those god awful, well, not they weren't god awful, but just poorly named teams. They try to do like the sorority thing. Yeah. Oh uh, I mean, it, the idea was there, the execution was terrible. Yeah. But um, <laughs> that's why they had to change it immediately the following week. But um, they, they said, like, well, using that analogy, they're saying like Natalia was like the sorority mom because mm-hmm. since she had been there the longest, she kind of was able to kind of keep them all in check of like, do this, do that. And she was also kind of like the proving person. Cause I know for a long time before he went on to become the mayor of Knox County, 
uh, Kane was like the wrestler that like him and Jericho were the two that like, if you could, they were, they were like the proving ground of you went out and had a good match against them and it proves you could do the main event. Yeah. Natalia seems to be the same thing for the women. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that that's kind of a good thing that I'm glad you brought up. Cause it's not like it's a, like a bad thing in any way, shape or form to like have that, but it kind of shows like how much like the company that you've worked for trusts you. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, here's this new person. We don't know if they're any good. Go prove us, go prove to us how good they are or maybe how not good they are. And they need to still train. Right. They they've made a lot of stars over the years. And like, I, I'm glad that we have, people like Natalia and people like them who like consistently kind of build up the, their divisions, because I don't feel like they get the attention they deserve sometimes, especially not Natalia. And no, I'm all here for it. I will fix that mistake. Thank you. <laughs> like I'm, I'm stoked that like she is not only still around, but she's still, you know, one of the top people that WWE always looks to, to not only just put on like a great match, but like continuously build up the women's division and, continue to bring it to where it is and mm -hmm. i'm excited and i think that you know we have plenty of stuff that we want to talk out like yeah, yeah. i'm sorry we, excuse me we could talk forever <laughs> it's true we could talk forever but i wanted to thank you guys for joining us today to listen to us talk about like how we got into wrestling some of our favorite parts of wrestling and you know maybe this will change your mind if you're ever interested in wrestling it's it might be an acquired taste but taste develops over time and thank you guys for listening to us and Hopefully, you know, like you're enjoying the episodes and thankfully we uh, were able to fix our level issue that we've seemed to have over the last couple episodes. Um. <laughs> I, I will personally apologize for that. So uh, if you any thoughts you have about that, send them my way. Don't blame us. Right. I, I'm going to try and fix them as time goes on. Uh, I'm going to try and go back and fix like the other episodes. Uh, I, I do like some audio editing and stuff like that. But thank you guys for sticking it out and thank you for listening to us. And we appreciate you so, so, so much, but yeah, thank you guys for joining us today. And we're going to look forward to having another awesome episode next week. Caleb, uh, is yes. there anything that you would like to say to our audience before we head out today? Just like we said before, give wrestling a chance, but also let us know what you think. Agree, disagree, all that fun stuff. And whether it's audio or whatever, also just tell us technical things. So, cause we want this to be the best podcast possible for you guys. So just give us that feedback and we yeah. thank you for the support so far. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. And just a reminder, we are the internet world order and I'm Austin cook. And I am Caleb McLemore. And thank you guys for joining us. See you guys. <laughs>